with incredible detail, uh, all kinds of facts and uh, blessings mixed in. Well, the letter to Philippians is a, a letter written from jail. Apostle Paul wrote it from jail, probably from Rome, because he references Caesar's household and the palace guard, although the palace guard, I guess, was in Caesarea and some other places too, but probably from Rome, he wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. <clears throat> I have a hard time sometimes finding the epistles, and one thing that helps me is this little phrase, General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. No, I didn't do that right. General Electric Power Company. Yes, that's right. G for Galatians. E for Ephesians. Philippians, that's where we're looking, chapter 4. <clears throat> Colossians for company. Anyway, if you've uh, found it, you'll see there's four chapters in Philippians. They're all wonderful chapters. The song we just sang had a verse on top from um, chapter 2, Let This Mind Be In You, which was also in Christ Jesus. Uh, Isaac Watts wrote the song we just sang. I don't remember singing it before, but it was a great song praying that God would please help us be like Jesus, have the mind of Jesus, a mind of prayer, a mind of surrender to God's will. <clears throat> this uh, message I've entitled The Secret of Contentment, and we're going to try to look at three questions. First, what is contentment? Second, what is the secret of contentment? And I have that here on this uh, rock. It's written on this desk paper holder. A number of years ago, I got a particular Bible verse written on this gift. I had like three gifts all at Christmas from three different people, all with the same verse. And I don't think I've ever really preached a sermon on this uh, passage. <clears throat> but I needed that secret of contentment then. I need it now. And I, as I look around at Christmas time, Christians, non-Christians, we struggle with this thing of contentment, don't we? And the advertisers have all kinds of advertisements coming that if you really want to be happy, if you really want to be content, then you need this. And you need it now, before midnight. This offer will go away. So you've seen these kind of advertisements. So the message today is the secret of contentment in verse 11 and in verse 12. Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content in verse 11 and then verse 12. I have learned the secret of being content. <clears throat> so we're going to look at the definition of contentment. We're going to look at the secret. What is the secret of contentment? And then we're going to look at this. Uh, this may be the main part of our message, the learning of contentment. How can we learn contentment? How did Apostle Paul learn contentment? How can we learn contentment? Because when he got saved on the Damascus Road, he didn't learn contentment right then. It was a lifelong process. In fact, Ananias was told, go pray for this man, Saul, for I will teach him all the things that he's going to need to suffer for my sake. The Christian life is a life of discipleship, which means learning. And one of the things we need to learn is contentment. And I'm still very much in the early phases of learning it. But studying this scripture and studying Paul's life has helped me some 
And I think it will help each of us uh, learn contentment. <clears throat> well, if you found Philippians 4, uh, go ahead and stand. And I'm going to read it in the New International Version. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. We're going to mainly be looking at verses 11, 12, and 13. But just for the context, I'll read the whole chapter. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, Jesus Christ, who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desired your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the Lord Jesus interceding for us. We thank you that he hasn't left us without help here on earth. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would 
uh, make these uh, scriptures alive in our minds and in our lives. I pray that we, along with the Apostle Paul, would learn the secret of rejoicing in every situation, the secret of contentment. So bless us together in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The church in Philippi was founded on Paul's second missionary journey. We can read about it in the book of Acts. It was a very interesting story of how it was founded. Paul was working in Turkey, which was called Asia Minor back then, and he was wanting to go into the interior of Turkey. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit, in some way, we're not sure how, told him, no, your team should not go that way. So he was a bit puzzled until he had a vision. And in the vision, a man was standing uh, and beckoning him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Macedonia is what's now northern Greece. That's where Philippi and a number of other cities are, Thessalonica and uh, some other cities. So anyway, they discerned that this was God's will, so they got on a boat, and they went across uh, the sea to... Uh, the area near Philippi. Philippi is up the river, maybe 20 miles, 20 kilometers, 20 miles. I don't remember the exact measurement. So they traveled on up the river to where this city was. This was an important city in the Roman Empire. <clears throat> it was named after King Philip. He was the father of Alexander the Great. It had been captured by different people through the centuries. And so I think it was maybe 150 years before Christ when, when uh, King Philip had captured it and named it after himself, Philippi. So along the river, in the book of Acts, we read that Paul met some women who were praying. That seemed to be the first stop that he had, uh, the first witnessing that's recorded. And one of the ladies there was named Lydia, and she received the gospel, received the team into her home, <clears throat> and the church was started there in her house. Then, unfortunately, Paul and his companion Silas got thrown into jail. They were beaten, and there was a song service at midnight. We love this story, don't we? And out of that song service came a big surprise, an earthquake. The chains somehow of all the prisoners were shaken loose. I'm not sure if it was that they still had them on their arms and they were shaken loose from the wall, but somehow this earthquake shook the uh, fetters <clears throat> loose, and the jailer was ready to commit suicide because... He saw these people were going to escape and he had his sword out and he was going to, I guess, cut his neck or his wrist, it doesn't say. I don't need to get into those details. But thankfully, a voice rang out through the prison and it was Paul's voice. Do yourself no harm. We are all here. And so the jailer took Paul and Silas home. He washed their wounds because they had been beaten and he and his household received the good news of salvation. This church was the only church we just read that shared in Paul's missionary journeys. Again and again, they would send offerings, support to help him. And even now, as he's in prison, a number of years later, they sent Epaphroditus, I guess from their church, with gifts. That's in verse 18. He said, we have more than enough thanks to your gifts. We are so thankful. So this letter really was written at least partly to thank the Philippian church for their generosity and for their kindness. 
But in the midst of this chapter, there's some verses about how he has discovered contentment. <clears throat> I read this from Ken Miller. He's in prison. He's a pastor. Most of you know about him. He's a, a pastor who's in prison for doing the right thing, trying to help people. <clears throat> He's in Petersburg, Virginia, in the federal prison. This was published December 4th, 2016 from Kenneth Miller. Peace and blessings to each of you from Jesus Christ our Lord. It feels like a long time since I've seen most of you. It's been over eight months now. I miss you all today more than usual for some reason. But strangely, I'm content to be here. This is where God has me for now, and I'm learning to be okay with it. God has been exceptionally good to me the last while. That very difficult trip to Buffalo is fading into the past. I think it was 40-some days he was hauled from place to place into court <clears throat> where they were wanting him to testify against some other Christians who were involved in helping a, a lady and her daughter um, get to Central America. Anyway, I think he, he felt he couldn't witness against these people, and so there was the possibility that he may have longer than 27 months on his on his sentence. But anyway, that difficult trip to Buffalo is fading into the past. My dear mother is with the Lord. While he was at Buffalo, his mother died. I'm sad whenever I think about going back to the house and not seeing her there. But I have to say, heaven is more attractive now, and that's good. What a positive letter. This month from Petersburg. So Paul's writing his letter. He doesn't know what's ahead of him. This may have been his last imprisonment before he was beheaded. <clears throat> we don't know that, but he said, I have learned the secret of contentment. I have learned to be content. Well, what is contentment? That's our first question. In the regular di dictionary I read, contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. The Strong's Bible Concordance had a short definition. It said, self-sufficiency or satisfied. Now, many people are spending money trying to find the secret of contentment. How can I take care of myself? How can I be satisfied? <clears throat> How can I be happy? Is the secret of contentment having the right stuff? That's what the advertisers are saying, aren't they? The right toys, the right gift. Will you really be happy if you have the right Christmas gift? We try to find contentment in things. In new wheels, if you're a very young person, a matchbox car with wheels is pretty nice. As we get bigger, our wheels get bigger. Two wheels, four wheels, three wheels. There's all kinds of wheels that we men like. Or maybe this might apply more to the ladies. How about a new outfit? A new outfit can really bring a sense of happiness and satisfaction. A new computer gizmo of some kind. If I only had that upgrade, then I would be content. Well, is the secret of contentment and having the right stuff? Doesn't seem to say so on my little rock here. How about it's the secret of contentment and being at the right place, the right spot. Location, location, location. 
Have you heard that? America's, I was reading, move about every five years on the average. It's a lot of movement, moving to a better spot. Is contentment living in Lynchburg, Virginia? I don't hear any amens there. Harrisonburg, Virginia. Northern Virginia. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> I learned just last night as I was looking at some real estate. Actually, I googled the word contentment. And I found not far from here, Smith Mountain, there's an island called Contentment Island. They have at least five pieces of real estate for sale there, ranging from 400,000 to 600,000. And beautiful pictures. I also found in Connecticut, Darien, Connecticut, there's a lake along the ocean called Contentment Lake. There's 28 pieces of property there. I don't think any are for sale, but the average value is two and a half million. Some people think contentment is not along the ocean or along the lake, but back in the mountains. How many people have moved to a little cabin in the Appalachian or in the Rocky Mountains trying to find contentment? We just want some peace and contentment. <clears throat> we lived eight and a half years in Highland County, and there were a lot of transplants there. People who moved from bigger cities, big cities, to out in the country to find some contentment. <clears throat> is contentment found in the right spot? Is contentment found with the right stuff? Is contentment found in marrying the right person, in having children, the perfect number of children? the perfect career, the bigger salary, the CEO position. If I only were in management, things would be better here. No, the secret of contentment is not situational. All right, we get to our second question. What is the secret of contentment? My little romp says Philippians 4.13, and it's in the New King James Version. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now you may define the secret of contentment in different ways, but I think Philippians 4.13 is the secret of contentment. Jesus living in me, giving me his strength to face whatever I have to face today, tomorrow. Looking at some more definitions, the, the Bible Word Study Help Dictionary defined contentment this way. The self-sufficient sense of being satisfied because of living in God's fullness. This inward sufficiency is as valid in low times of suffering as in high times of prosperity. <clears throat> Pastor Stephen Cole writes, contentment is the inner sense of peace or rest that comes from being right with God and from knowing that he is in control of all that happens to us. Do we need that kind of contentment? And it's here for us through Jesus. There is no true contentment outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Having him living within us by his Holy Spirit Helping us. That's what Paul was experiencing in prison. There's two other scriptures, at least in the New Testament, that talk about contentment. 1 Timothy 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many senseless and harm, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That sounds like Second Peter 2, doesn't it? Greed, covetousness. That's the opposite of contentment. Paul writes on to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that many have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. <clears throat> Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians 9.8, this is a passage about the Corinthians were generous at giving to others. He said, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency, which also is, could be translated contentment, having all contentment in all things may abound to every good work. So verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the easy to read version, uh, verse 13 says, Christ is the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. And in the Amplified, I'm going to actually read 11, 12, and 13 in the Amplified. <clears throat> These are kind of the text verses. Now, the Amplified tries to take those Greek words and make them louder. Oh, we think of amplification with uh, the sound system. Could you please amplify that a little more where I can hear you? Are you hearing my voice today? Three days ago, I didn't have much of a voice, so I was praying, Lord, I'm going to be content even if I need a whisper. But I also thought about a lot of other people who could give a message here at church. And I thought, well, should I talk to them? Or <clears throat> So anyway, you clear your throat for me as we keep going along here. My voice, I'm happy to say, is much better than it was. So amplification, where was I? The Amplified Bible. Listen to this, verse 11 through 13. Paul writes, not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy, regardless of my circumstances. For I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. Verse 13, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I like that. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. The secular world says, change your circumstances and you'll be content. But Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Johnny Erickson taught her at the age of 17, dove into some shallow water and broke her neck. She's been in a wheelchair ever since, almost 50 years now. She writes, gaining contentment means equalizing your desires and your circumstances. And she 
wrote this in a devotional that <clears throat> Nan shared with me. Uh, in this devotional, she said, we get very frustrated when we try to adjust our circumstances to our expectations. And it's so much better if we, with God's help, adjust our expectations to the circumstances that he's allowed us to have. And she tries to do that, and I think she's a great example of doing that. She had a, a high spinal uh, cervical injury in her neck, paralyzed from the shoulders down. She's what's called quadriplegia, meaning all four of her limbs really don't work. And she has to depend on others to help her. But she has written many books. She sings. She ministers to others out of her wheelchair. And that's a great example for us. <clears throat> no one here came in a wheelchair, did we? But we can't. We come with needs. And we come with circumstances. We come with situations that we don't like and we wish we could change. And we can learn from Paul. We can learn from Johnny Erickson Tata and others who have found a way to praise God in their circumstances. So in closing, the third point, and it's got six subpoints to it, so don't pack your Bible yet. Actually, if you want to look at Philippians 4, 4, I have six subpoints of how we can learn this contentment. And there could be many more points, I'm sure, but Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. This is the theme of the book. I went through this little letter, Philippians, and I circled everywhere I found the word joy and everywhere I found the word rejoice or rejoicing. And I think there's 17 of them. The theme of this letter is rejoice in the Lord. Wonderful way to move ourselves from discontent to contentment. So how to learn contentment? Number one, by praising the Lord always. Chapter 3, verse 1, halfway through the letter, Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He said, I'm not bothered by writing this again and again. Rejoice in the Lord. And you can safeguard your faith. We can safeguard our faith in the Lord Jesus by having an attitude of rejoicing. The rejoicing <clears throat> isn't just in our circumstances, it's actually in the Lord. And the Lord, Jesus, is mentioned directly at least 50 times in this letter. The rejoicing is in the Lord. Plus, there's many pronouns that refer to the Lord Jesus. So let's put our praise and our thanks and our rejoicing toward the Lord, knowing that his promises are true and he will sustain us, whatever we're facing. Number two, in verse six, Philippians four, six, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So the second way we can move toward contentment is by praying in every situation with thanksgiving. So number one, by praise. <clears throat> number two, by prayer. Number three, let the peace of God guard us. We can move toward contentment by praying and praising the Lord and asking him, let your peace, your Holy Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, let it rule in my heart. That's the second part of uh, Philippians 4, 6. After we let our requests be made known to God, 
Paul says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through the Lord Jesus. A heart that's guarded by the peace of God is a contented heart. Let's let his peace rule. Colossians 3.15 is kind of similar. Paul writes there to the Colossian church, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. In the fourth place, we can learn contentment by a program of new thinking. That's Philippians 4.8. Finally, my brethren, think right thoughts. Thoughts that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report. <clears throat> Meditate on these things. New thinking implies that old thinking is left behind. I was thinking of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord which is your reasonable service. Be ye not conformed to the world's way of thinking and living and acting, acting, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this program of new thinking, the Holy Spirit is inside us to help us with it. <clears throat> so the old thinking is the opposite of Philippians 4, 8. The less than noble, the the, the selfish, the impure, the ugly, the bad reports. I am not going to think on that bad report. Uh, on my cell phone, uh, there's little headlines of news that keep popping up, and I'm trying to just ignore them, not even read, them, even read the headlines, because the headlines of news is, I'd say, 95% bad reports. So we need to, I think, guard what we're thinking about. If we think about bad reports, we will become discontent. We think about good news, the news of salvation through Christ, those missionary letters, those prison letters from Christians, we'll be encouraged toward contentment. In the previous chapter, Philippians 3, Paul says, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm reaching forth to those things that are ahead. <clears throat> so some of the thoughts from our past, with God's help, we need to forget. We need to not dwell on them. The late Adrian Rogers said we should forget our glory, our guilt, and our grudges. <clears throat> Paul had listed in chapter 3 how he had a pedigree that was amazing from uh, birth and throughout uh, all his accomplishments. And he said those things that are, could be counted for gain, I'm counting loss for Christ. Loss compared to knowing Jesus. <clears throat> so we need to leave whatever good we think has happened in the past. We need to leave it behind, take it to Jesus, give him the glory, and not dwell on it. And how about our guilt, our sins? They can really drag me down as I think about past mistakes. How can we forget those? We can forget them, in a sense, by taking them to Jesus and letting his blood forgive and not dwelling on them accepting his forgiveness. And how about grudges? Those are memories of wrongs done to us. We all have that. We can take him to Jesus. Ask him to help us forgive. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Well, in verse 9, there's another way we can move toward contentment, and that has to do with the people we're hanging out with. 
If you want to become discontent, hang around people that are whining and complaining and moaning and unhappy. Every workplace seems to have these kind of people. Paul says in Philippians 4, 9, if you're still there, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So I wrote, we can learn contentment by pattering after, patterning after godly examples. So let's review. We learn contentment by praise to the Lord, by prayer to the Lord, <clears throat> by a new way of thinking, and by patterning after godly examples. The Philippian church had trouble, just like every church has trouble. In fact, did you notice Euodius and Syntyche? Verse 2, they weren't getting along. Maybe these two ladies were on the food committee. I don't know. But there's all different ways to do things. And so what Paul told the people to do is help these ladies, help them. Don't beat them down, don't criticize them. <clears throat> he didn't really go into detail how to help, but maybe they were struggling because the rest of the church wasn't helping with the food committee. And I must say that uh, Lee and Mary and Nan, who are the other members of the food committee, are wonderful to work with. So far this year, we have not had any arguments, and we praise the Lord for that. But we also encourage you, help us and continue to help us when you see needs that come your way. We thank you for that. <clears throat> but these two people weren't getting along. And Paul named them. And he said, I beseech you to church members, work out your differences. You probably have different translations. Get along. And the rest of you, help them get along. Well, this point is patterning after godly examples. We need a pattern after those people who are speaking kindly of others, who are figuring out ways to get along. These last two, three months have been tough on us as a church as we're trying to figure out how to get along. And we need a pattern after those people, which includes our pastors. I want to say our pastors have, I think, worked hard to speak kindly of others and to find a way through. We need to get behind them, pattern our lives after getting along with each other because that brings glory to God. That's the way a church is supposed to function. <clears throat> well, the sixth and last point of how to grow in contentment is really related to this one. That's putting others first. And I referenced verse 2 here. Verse 3, verse 2, getting along. Verse 3, helping other Christians with their ministries. We can't help everybody. If your house is like ours, there's stuff coming in the mail. There's phone calls coming. This is a season of generosity and giving, and there's no way we can help everyone. <clears throat> but as God puts on our hearts people that we should help, let's help, especially uh, our local church. As there's needs in our church that we can help, let's help. And by putting others first and by helping others, we'll find our sense of contentment grows. And we can learn contentment by putting others first. Even as Jesus, in Philippians 2, is our great example, our greatest example of having a mind of helping others. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, Paul writes in Philippians 2, 3, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not on every man his own things, but every man on the things of others. And that means looking out to help them, not looking with envy, but looking to help them. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. In summary, the secret of contentment must be learned by a relationship with Jesus. Before Jesus saved us, we were very discontent. And even now that we're Christians, we struggle with discontentment. And we have to learn and relearn and continue to learn contentment. Relying on Jesus' strength working through us to face whatever situation, whatever circumstance we're facing. We grow in this contentment by rejoicing in the Lord, by praying to the Lord, taking our anxieties to him in prayer with thanksgiving. We can ask God to change our minds, and with his help, we can refocus our thoughts to positive thoughts, to good thoughts, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things ahead. We choose to allow his peace to rule. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to trust God's promise. We may have to speak that out loud to the people around us sometimes. I'm going to choose not to worry about this. I'm going to choose to trust. We grow in contentment as we pattern after Jesus and as we pattern after people around us that we see following Jesus. And finally, we grow in contentment as we look for ways to build up others, look for ways to help them, figure out Christmas gifts for them that they would like rather than worrying about whether we're going to get the gift that we want. Well, God bless you this Christmas season. Thank you for your attention and your prayers. Merry Christmas. Let's have a song. <laughs>